Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Hot Sea Internet Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Alabama New Number Two Congressional District. We hope you tune in with us tonight. We are live here in the studio. We're going to be talking about the sample ballot. The sample ballot. Uh, this is common ballot, official ballot, Democratic primary. Constitutional Amendment, School Tax Election, Monroe County, Alabama, March the 5th, 2024. Uh, with instructions to the voters to vote, you must blacken the oval area completely. And if you spoil your ballot, don't erase, but ask for a new ballot. We're going to be talking about a number of things tonight. We hope you are going to stick with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, crossover voting rules, uh, uh, primary runoff election, uh, if necessary, that'll be coming up in April. But uh, all of the action begins um, March the 5th. Uh, if you need to know some information about uh, your polling place and where you need to go here in uh, Monroe County and all this kind of good information that you need about voting, it is very much important that you tune in for tonight's broadcast. Voter uh, registrars, voter registrars in uh, Monroe County, if you want to find out information about the upcoming election, that's Monroe County. Uh, in Monroe, Alabama, telephone number is 251-743-4107 or uh, 251-575-8141. That's in Monroe County. You want to find out what's going on with your with that border registrars. That's located there in the courthouse at Monroe County. Um Fuel Box 972, Monroe, Alabama. You walk in the courthouse and step to the right there, and that's where the border registrars in Monroe County. All kind of good information coming up for you here on the uh, broadcast. We're going to be talking about James Ewart, a U.S. Marine and former 2020 congressional candidate. We hope you'll be calling in. We'll be talking about Representative Napoleon Bracey, uh, Pritchett, uh, Senator Merkin Coleman, uh, Democrat out of President Grove, House Minority Leader Anthony Daniels, a Democrat out of Huntsville, uh, Shamara Figures, former Deputy Chief of Staff to the U.S. Uh, Attorney General and the son of Senator Vivian Figures, a Democrat out of Mobile. Brian Gray, Representative Jadalian Gibbons, Democrat out of Birmingham. Representative Jeremy Gray, a Democrat out of Opelika. Phyllis Harvey Hall, an educator, consultant, and 2020 and 22 congressional candidate. Willie L. Willie J. Leonard, Vimal Patel, the realtor, Larry Daniels, and all the information that you need about the candidates that are running for the new congressional district number two. All of this action will take place March the 5th. We've got some voting and registration and all that stuff taken care of. God is absolutely good and in control. Um, 
some great information for you. We hope you check all this information out. Um, let's see here as we scroll through these information that's posted here. Uh, all right. All kind of information for you. Uh, primary here in Monroe County and across Alabama. Get yourself ready. All right. Okay, let's go back to um, the ad valorem. Ad valorem uh, tax mill rates for Monroe County as of October 1st to the current. Monroe uh state the general fund is 2.5 Zero meals, old soldier bonds is one point meal. Total estate millage. Let's see here. For Monroe County levies for the general fund, five meals. Roads and bridges, 2.5 meals. Fire protection fund, three meals. Total Monroe County millage. School levies, uh, school levies, uh, four meals. District school, three meals. Special schools, three meals. Now, on the um, coming up for um, March the 5th on the ballot, the state of Alabama, Monroe County, special county school tax election, three-by-white school tax, section one. And it says, shall the county of Monroe County or Monroe be authorized to levy annually commencing with the levy of the tax year of the county beginning October 1st, 2026, for which year the tax will become due and payable on October 1st, 2027. In addition to all other taxes authorized by law, a three-meal countywide school tax for the general support of the public schools within the county as provided for an Amendment 3, Section 1 of the Constitution of Alabama as a minute on each dollar of the assessed values of the taxable property in the county to be used solely for the support of public schools within the county. All right, now, school uh, taxes or countywide schools is four meals. Uh, district school is three miles. Three meals, I'm sorry, not three miles, but three meals. Okay. Now, this uh, tax is their property in the county to be used solely for the support of public school as and for uh, three meals. The Ronald County be levied with the levy of tax over the county uh, for um, for three, they're asking for three meals, three, uh, three meal countywide. This is countywide now. It's already at four meals. They're asking for three meals more. That'll move it to seven meals. Uh, that is for countywide schools. All right, another one here. This is for uh, Monroe County. This is in the uh, 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 same thing of asking three, uh, um, three meals. Also, uh, in other parts of the county. In other words, 
they are asking for an additional three meals, three meal wide school tax section two. Shall the county of Monroe be authorized to levy annually commencing with the levy of the tax year, the county beginning October 1st, 2026, for which year the tax will become due and payable to October 1st, 27, in addition to all the taxes authorized by law. Uh, let's make sure nobody called in. Uh, nobody's called in. Okay. We're still okay. Okay. All right. Okay. We're talking about ad valorem tax meal rates for Monroe County, Alabama. Okay. Okay. And we're talking about Monroe County millions for schools. Okay. Millions for school. Countywide schools is four meals. For district school is three meals. For special schools is three meals. A total of ten meals already being assessed against the property that you own. And um, in the county, that's what I that, that uh, in the city limits and countywide, and you live in Monroe County, you own property, you you pay taxes on it. They want to add another three meals to your property, and, and, and you pay that toward the um, uh, solely for the support of public schools within the county. All right. One meal. Uh, one meal countywide school tax. All right, countywide is four meals already. Shall the county of Monroe be authorized to levy annual commencing with the levy of the tax to the year for the county beginning October 1st, 2026? Now, on this sample ballot, to which, in addition to all other taxes authorized by the law, one meal countywide school taxes on each dollar. One meal countywide tax for each dollar. Now this is countywide. Countywide is 4.0 meals. Countywide. And we hope you are prepared to mark that ballot or what you want to do. Do you want to say yes or do you want to say no? That's entirely up to you. Uh, most of the time when we talk about for the school, uh, we usually say yeah, but what the, what the county and the school board and officials are going to do with that money uh, is another question. But they're asking you to uh, increase the millage for countywide schools, uh, district schools, in Monroe County. Monroe County village is already at 10 meals. That's how much is being assessed already. Um, now for the, they're not asking for money for uh, the general fund or roads and bridges or fire protection fund or anything like that. They're asking specifically for countywide schools, district schools, Okay, let me see. Maybe that's somebody calling. Okay. Uh, I was wondering what that was. Wayne Richardson. Uh, all right. Let's see what's changing me. Uh, 
Uh, okay, let's see what that is. Okay. Guyana's 24-boy 1A state champions. All right. Guyana wins it all. And the 1A division, that's just, that's, uh, J.O. Shields, uh, district. It wins it all. Okay. All right. Let's go back and all right. Thanks, Gwen, for that information. Okay. Okay. All right. They're going to be um, testing the ballots tomorrow at 1015 at the courthouse. Uh, we was a part of that last year, and we're going to make sure that uh, uh, we be there um, we will be there tomorrow for the testing of, of the ballots. Okay. Okay. Let's go back and talk a little bit more about these polls. Uh, now, here's another one that is interesting on the um, uh, proposed statewide amendment number one. Proposed statewide amendment number one. Proposed an amendment to the Constitution of Alabama of 2022 to amend section 71.01, authorizing the legislature to sign and transmit local laws of constitutional amendment before the transmission of basic appropriation proposed by Act 2023-562. Okay, now what they're talking about is this. The amendment is the passing and proposing and passing education and general fund budget. First, they sit down how much they're going to spend and all that stuff and how much money is going to be uh, spent on whatever they're going to spend money on. That's the general fund budget, the education and general fund budget. Okay. Before, this is asking them to allow stuff to be added on and put in before they got the amount that they're going to spend. Now, that'd be, I don't think that makes too much sense that you're going to, you ain't decided how much your budget is. You have not decided how much your budget is going to be or how much money you can spend or how much money you want to spend. But yet and still, you're going to be constantly tacking on stuff before you even get the amount of money that you're going to spend. Suppose you ain't you ain't got, but uh, say, um, for, um, for an example, you have $500. You got $500. That's all you got to spend. And before you start spending that $500, you be done busted your budget by adding stuff on that you're going to buy 
over $500. You need to pass your budget first so you know how much money you got in your educational and general fund. Uh, currently, until the budget passed, every piece of legislation requires two votes, uh, one for called a budget isolation resolution, which requires three-fifths support to allow consideration and a second vote to place for the piece of legislation itself. Why are you going to bust your budget before you even know how much you're going to spend? I'll say no to that. Just pass your budget and, and set your budget and stuff for how much money before you go start tacking on more stuff. Because uh, uh, um, the, the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, how you going to spend money and you don't even have it? Get your budget and general fund already locked down. Say you've got $10 million or whatever, however amount of money you got. Then you start adding on stuff if you want to put it in the budget. But get your budget passed first. Then uh, do the other part. Okay. I'm going to say no on that first one. Uh, three mil countywide school uh, taxation to one mil. I say yes on them. Give them, give the schools more money to, to do what they need to do. All right, let's go back to the studio. All right, back at the studio. But let's go back. All right, let's talk about uh, ad valorem meals rates and stuff for Monroe County now. Um, school levels, countywide, four meals, district schools, three meals, special schools, three meals, a total of 10 meals. They want to increase that now for Monroe County. For the Monroe County Hospital, four meals for the Monroe County Hospital. Uh, municipal levies, all right. County, got 31 meals. City of Monroe, 10 meals. Town of Frisco City got 10 meals. Town of Beatrice got a five meal. Town of Excel got a five meal. Town of Edinburgh got a five meal. That's how much taxes assessed for those that live in, in that they in in that area. Like they go to the store and spend money for different stuff. Taxes and stuff is taken out for those. That's what some of that money goes for. Okay, uh, let's look at some uh, proposed statewide amendments. Uh, now, the sample ballot, the sample ballot for the Democrats, candidates for Democrat Party for President of the United States, Joseph Biden Jr. They also got Dean Phillip running, and they got uncommitted down there. For United States Representative in the 2nd Congressional District, vote for one. You got James Averhart running. You got Napoleon Bracey running. Mirko Coleman is running. Mariko Coleman is running. Anthony Daniels is running. Shamara Figures. Jadelion Lee Gibbons is running. Jeremy Gray. Phyllis Harvey Hall is running. Willie J. Leonard is running. Vivian Patel. Larry Donnell Simpson. That two's on the ballot. One, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven candidates. Okay, delegate selection instructions. All right. You know you pick for one of these uh, gentlemen that's running, all the ladies that's running for the uh, second congressional district representation. Delegate selection instructions. Okay. Candidate vote for not more than seven delegates. Candidates pledge to the candidate if you selected uncommittedly vote for not more than seven uncommitted delegates. In other words, they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people listed down here. You can you vote for one each one of them. Joseph R. Biden Jr. delegate. These are his delegates. Kyle Adams. Barbara uh, Drummond, Patricia G. Eddington, Philip Davis Insler, Vivian Davis Figures, Kurt Hatcher, Patrice Penn McClamey. This is uh, Dad McClamey's uh, daughter, I believe. All right. I got a chance to meet her the other night down the other afternoon at uh, Morningstar, Reverend Duran Odom's Church at Morningstar. But anyway, you whoever you, you got to pick one of all seven of these candidates, all of them, or for each one of them. All right, now up here for who gonna want to rep the second congressional district? Vote for one of them. James Abelhart is at the top of the list. Napoleon Bracey Jr., Miko Coleman, Anthony Daniels, Shamar Figures. All of these folks are running for that position. Okay, there's one other thing that you you you, you really need to uh, understand about what's taking place taking place and that is this. You have the opportunity to make your voice heard. Voter turnout in Monroe County has been really poor. I mean absolutely as the old folks say atrocious. Well, that's maybe a modern word for that. But anyway, it's been bad. We need to increase our voter turnout. And how do you increase your voter turnout? By registering, by being aware of what the issues are, knowing what's on the ballot, knowing who is on the ballot, picking the best person. Okay, there's been a lot of questions and stuff about uh, uh, somebody representing District 2 that lives in the district. Some of these people don't live in the district. Some of them live outside of the district. But the thing of it is, they paid that qualifying fee to run for the representative of uh, the new uh, district number two. Some people complain about how lines are drawn. But they was trying to give uh, the black people in Alabama a representative. And we hope that you will go out and exercise your right to vote. I want to go back to uh, 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 another thing here. Uh, we're looking at Monroe. We just went over the, uh, now this is the Republican sample ballot. This is the Republican sample ballot. Uh, candidates for the Republican Party for President of the United States. They got all the names down here. Ryan Binkley, Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, 
Nikki Haley, Vicky Ramasani, David Stockenberg, Donald J. Trump, and he got uncommitted for the United States Representative, 2nd Congressional District. They, These guys are running for the 2nd Congressional District. That's 11 uh, Democrats are looking for. And these are uh, the Republican candidates, Greg Arberton, Dick Brubaker, uh, Caroline Dobson, uh, Carl M. Dupree, Wallace Gilberry, Hampton S. Harris, Stacey T. Shepherdson, Belinda Thomas. They are running for to represent the new congressional district number two. These are the Republicans running for that position. When we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Republicans running to be get elected to head the new uh, Alabama Second Congressional uh, District number two. For the chief of the Supreme Court, you got Sarah Stewart and Brian Taylor. For Court of Civil Appeals, Judge Place Two, you got Chad uh, Hanson and you got Stephen Davis Parker. Vote for one of them. For Court of Criminal Appeals, Judge Place Two, vote for one of them. Rich Anderson, Thomas Given. For President of Public Service Commissions, vote for one of them. Twinkie Anderson Kavanaugh and Robert L. McCollin. For well, members of the Monroe County Board of Education District number, vote for one. All right. Nobody is running uh, on the board for the Board of Education. All right. Uh, proposed statewide amendment number one. Rose an amendment in the Constitution. That's the one we talked about before. This is the same thing that we were talking about before. This is on it's on the ballot and it's also on the Republican sample ballot. And this goes back to what we were saying about the budget. Okay. I believe you should uh, uh get your general fund and educational fund budget locked down and voted in place so you know how much money you're going to spend but don't be adding stuff into that and you don't even know how much you got to spend make sure you get your budget amounts that you're going to spend squared away that's what i think you should do i don't think you need to be messing with that they tried to do it on the uh bob james in 19 19- 84, I believe, they was trying to do that. I believe it was in 1984. Uh, yeah, I believe it was in 1984. Bob James. Proposed Amendment 1 is it actually a tweak of the amendment championed by Governor Bob James, which was ratified back in 1984. The amendment was aimed at focusing the legislation on this most important job, passing the education and general fund budget. It was designed to make it hard to bring up other legislation before the budget is passed. In other words, get the budget passed and in place how much money you're going to be spending. Currently, it is not. Currently, the budget passes every piece of legislation required by two votes, one by what is called a budget isolation resolution. 
which requires three-fifths support of the law, consideration, and a second vote on the piece of legislation itself. While Amendment 1 will ease the process for resolution in local, legis local legislation, the higher vote threshold required prior to the passing of the budget remains in place for general laws, laws that apply statewide, local constitutional amendments, will still require a three-fifth vote to pass. This just won't require two votes, one for uh, BIR and the other second vote for the measure. The original purpose, the 1984 amendment, was to avoid last-minute scrambles to pass the budget. That didn't happen. Budgets still tend to be worked on until the waning days of the session. Budgets are complicated, involves a lot of give and take, and are a culmination of the process, but they also are not all-consuming legislation, and other motives matters doesn't necessarily get in the way of making progress on the bill. Now, in some instances, let's keep checking back to the studio, and in, 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 in some instances, uh, uh, they, it, 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 the BR process does provide a mechanism for, for blocking or uh, delaying consideration of controversial legislation. If more than one-third members of either the House Senate oppose the bill, they can band together and prevent consideration. But I still believe you need to get that budget then general fund money squared away for it before you get into all that other stuff. All right. The amendment doesn't address the more fundamental issues of whether the state legislature should be voted on local legislation at all. In other states, local governments have more power to conduct their own affairs. In these in those states, the uh, legislature focused on statewide policies in Alabama. In twenty twenty three 30% of the bills passed by the state legislature applied to a specific county or locality, according to a partial analysis of the uh, legislative record. Further, the bulk of the Alabama Constitution is made up of amendments that apply to specific counties and localities. That inclusion of local matters in the state constitution helped make Alabama Constitution by far the longest state constitution in the United States. There's some little information for you. All right. Okay. Another state constitution memory is on about March the 5th, but only in Dale County voters will decide whether mayors in the county are allowed to participate in the state retirement system. That's another saying. State retirement said that's in Dale County. Okay. We hope you get yourself together on that bill. Oppose Acted Senate Bill 2, the second session. This bill is sponsored by Senator Chambers. When voters go to the poll on Tuesday, March the 5th, they won't just be voting in the Democratic or Republican primary, they also vote on the amendment to the Alabama Constitution of 2022. Amendment 1 proposes simplifying the process of moving resolutions and local legislation through the legislature before the state budgets are passed. Ah, 
get your state budget and general fund. It's whatever. What, get that money squared away. Get that done. You got enough to deal with. Yeah. I don't need you. Need, I don't think you need to be attacking most before you get that squared away. That just clogs it all up, in my opinion. I say no. All right, let's go back to the studio. We hope some people call in, but nobody's calling in yet, so we're going to keep on rolling. We're going to run an ad here from James Averhart. I am James Averhart, a candidate for Alabama's 2nd Congressional District. I'm a native and resident of Mobile, Alabama. 100 days from today, on March 5th, 2024, the primary election will be held in Alabama. The citizen of Alabama's 2nd Congressional District will have the opportunity to exercise their right to vote and elect a candidate to be their voice going into the general election in November 2024. I've had the opportunity to meet and listen to personal and systemic concerns from citizens throughout the district. I want each of you to know that I hear you loud and clear. I can relate to the issues that you have discussed with me. I look forward to continuing to build relationships with individuals, groups, and organizations to prepare a brighter future. I am not a career politician, and I will not make empty promises. However, if given the opportunity, I will work hard on your behalf and advocate for issues that are important to you. I am a firm believer that actions speak louder than words on any given day. I also believe that leadership matters, and we need a leader who is unbought and unbossed to advocate for real change. I am James Averhart, and I approve this message. try to get as many of me in as we possibly can, and uh, we hope uh, somebody will, will call in. All right? Now, one thing I don't like about what was said, uh, today on the radio, I ran, it's about a two-hour long with all the commercials and the different stuff in it, a uh, panel of uh, candidates that were running for Congressional District Number 2. I believe it was five. I don't think it was five out of the 11. Now, I don't know how they got them five. Why the other uh, six people that paid that $3,600 to qualify and get themselves ready to run. I don't know whether they had to raise a certain amount of money. They had a whole, a whole lot of enough money backing them. But um, I think that thing should have had all of them candidates up there prior to this March 5th and let the people of Alabama and all over the state of Alabama decide who the best one is. Don't let somebody pick like uh, uh, Alabama Democrat ADC or New South or whoever the different organization is in Alabama that be uh, uh, playing the money game and supporting candidates. Don't let them pick and decide who, who the best person is. Let the people of Alabama decide. Say, for instance, uh, uh, AGC and uh, New South and all the different organizations, uh, each county got political organizations. Whoever those people believe they want, let them decide about that. Don't let somebody else pick uh, who, who, who they believe is best and got the most money and got the most connections and stuff like that. No, they 
Um, I just think everybody should be a part of the debate and in selecting a person to run for the office. Okay. Okay. Let's take a look at. Uh, I believe we was at the. Uh, uh, the I think we were looking at the Republican primary constitution uh, sample ballot. Okay. Uh, okay. We we were talking about. Uh, let's check the studio again. Okay. All right. State of Monroe County, special county wide tax like three mil. They voting on the same three mil. Uh, uh, taxing for section one, uh, three million countywide school tax for section two, also three two tax district two, and also uh, one mil countywide school tax. All right, you vote however way you join is going that. That's for the Republicans. So we went over the Republican sample ballot, and we went over the uh, Democrat proposed ballot. So you you make that decision. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and put back up the uh, Democrat sample ballot. So we had an opportunity to look at both of the Democrat sample ballot as well as the Republican sample ballot. All right, let's go back. We also uh, uh, been informed that um, tomorrow they will be uh, testing the, the ballots and stuff over there at the courthouse, and we're going to make sure that we are there. And we thank Ms. Gwen Rissinger for giving us a heads up on that. All right. We done went over the ad valorem mill rates for Monroe County, Alabama. Let's do that again for you. State levels of general fund mills of 2.5, school fund, 3 mills, old soldiers fund, with a total of 6.5 mills. That's the state levies there. Total state mill county levies for the general fund is 5, roads and bridges, 2.5. Fire protection, 3.5, a total of 10.5 mills. Total Monroe County millage, school levies. Countywide, four mills. District school, three mills. Special school, three mills. That's 10 point mills for schools in Monroe County. Hospital levy, Monroe County Hospital, four mills. Total millage is four mills. That's for hospitals. All right. Now, one of the things that people have been talking about is that hospitals closing throughout rural Alabama and uh, maternity wards and where people can have babies and stuff at hospitals. It's because these people don't have no money. It costs money. One way to help that is for Alabama expansions of Medicaid. Alabama, with 10 or 12 other states, is refusing to expand Medicaid. They can build prisons million billion dollar prison but they can't expand Medicaid. I'm serious. That's just a fact of what's what's going on. Why Alabama don't want to expand Medicaid. They said it costs them. I'm gonna I'm gonna click on a, a link here right quick and I'm gonna talk about why Alabama will not expand Medicaid. Why? Let's see, let's see what we come up with. Why? 
Alabama, why Alabama legislators will not expand Medicaid. Let's see. Okay. Why Medicaid expansion is a bad idea for Alabama. This is by the Alabama Policy Institute. The Alabama Policy Institute says that if Alabama expands Medicaid, the state government will, will be putting out nearly a million more dollars per year into its program by 27. Why did Alabama not expand the Medicaid? Why didn't it? Huh? It is not that simple. First, there is this issue of cost and saving. If Alabama expands Medicaid, the state government will be putting nearly $250 million more per year into its program by 27. While more money will be coming back to the state from Washington, most of it will be going into Medicaid program. Guess what? Is helping the majority of the poor black and white people in Alabama cover their medical bill, medical bill when they go to the hospital. That's why these hospitals are closing. They they got no money. They could be them hospitals got to have money to function. And if the people ain't got no money when they go go to the doctor, well, uh, somebody got to pay the bill. Let the federal government help you pay that bill. Why did Alabama not expand Medicaid? What states refused to uh, expand Medicaid expense? What states, 10 states, refused to expand Medicaid? Guess who they are? Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Kansas, Mississippi, South Carolina, Tennessee, Wisconsin and Wyoming have not expanded Medicaid eligibility under the Affordable Care Act to individuals with incomes up to 138% of the federal poverty level. In other words, most of these people get who can't pay their bills are poor folks. It doesn't matter what color they are, it's poor people. They can't pay it. They ain't got the money. So when they go to the hospital for treatment, the hospital ain't going to turn them down now. They're going to treat whoever comes in and they need help. That's what the hospitals do. But they be going in the hole because the people can't pay the bill. And Medicaid expansion will help that. But Alabama don't want to do it. And guess what? Alabama got a super majority of Republicans. And they thinking just like that super majority of Republicans thinking. Always worried about the money and different stuff like that. It's good to worry about the money. But yet and still, they're going to spend billions of dollars for a prison up there in Bullock County. Huh? They want to lock folks up. Now, now this prison is, is, is for expanding the, the prison population of Alabama. Wow. Will Alabama expand Medicaid plan? Okay. It's some, it's some good information. Alabama Rise is for expanding Medicaid. The workforce benefit of medical expansion in Alabama, February 6, 
23. For 12 years, Alabama has failed to accept generous federal incentives to expand Medicaid to cover adults with low income. That's the deal right there. They don't want to help black and white folks pay their medical bills. And it's the Republicans doing That's the way they think. They think they're so smart and, and, and dollar conscious, and they are not. People need medical help. They need to pay the bills. Mississippi House passes Medicaid expansion. Why? Let me take a look at that. Okay. The Alabama political report. February 2024. Mississippi House passes Medicaid expansion. Alabama lags behind. Wow. That's just today. That's that that's come out today. That's in the news. That's as of today. I'm gonna share that. Let's go back to that. Let's go back. Let's listen to it for just a minute. We hope it picks it up. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm hoping that um, that was carried through uh, on the blog talk uh, microphone pickup. But let's let's go back and we're gonna go ahead and, and read that story. All right. We're gonna pay attention to. It. Okay. We got a caller. Okay. Hello. You're live with uh, House Reproductive Gospel Blog Talk Radio. We're talking about um, candidates for District 2 and talking about other things. We're talking about Medicaid expansion in Alabama. Good evening. Who we got on the line? Hello. Pianchi, how you doing? Who, who we got here? It's Mr. Pianchi. Hey, how you, you know, doing? Uh, how you doing? You're a candidate for District fine. 2. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to talk to myself all night. <laughs> I'm not a candidate. I'm just calling in because oh, I really sorry, disagree with creating. I, I disagree with creating those districts. Huh? I disagree with creating those segregated districts, like the courts have asked. Oh, it the states you to were do. there on another night, weren't you? No, I haven't been on. Okay, what, what's your disagreement with by creating them? Districts? What do you think you should do? They're segregated districts. Blacks wherever. You know, so now they're saying that blacks have to vote a certain particular way and they have to live in certain areas. Oh, wait a minute, and, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where are you going with this? Everybody votes. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Give me your point. Go ahead. I don't as want I said to before, the courts really have no business dictating to states to create segregated voting districts. Now, if you create a segregated... Because the state of Alabama lose, they are sovereign states. They are in charge of their franchisement. In other words, their voting. And what they're doing is drawing... All the people of Alabama. 
The districts that are there. There's in nothing Alabama. stopping. Let me ask you something. Do you live in Alabama? I, I have live in Alabama. In, I have a, I have a sister that lives in Alabama. She can move where she want to move. Yeah. She can move where she want to move. She lives in Bessemer. She can okay. move where she want to move. So okay. if she move into a, she move outside of what she called quote unquote a black district, and when time comes to create a district, they do gerrymandering where a lion would come over and capture her house. That's wrong. And then if you create segregated voting districts, you know what comes next? Segregated schools. They already segregated, then, brother. Then when you have segregated Where you schools. Where you live? I, I grew up in the St. Louis area. I live over in Louisiana now. And they've done the yeah, same thing over here. Yeah, you was on the night with us. Keep talking. I never, I wasn't on your show the other night. Yes, you were. You was on with uh, the representatives from other people that was, we were talking about the same thing. Me and you were talking about the what same do you, thing. What do you, okay, so what do you, what was the other night? What night was you talking about? I'm talking about last week. Well, if I don't you think say I you wasn't on, if you say you wasn't on. Because when I dialed your number, it would have came up as a previous number. It didn't. Yeah, yeah, I remember you, brother. I remember you, brother. It's okay. It's all good. Okay, what, but what, what, well, do you, what do you propose we do then? I, I, it should not be no de jure districts. Live where they want to, according to the de facto options. De jure is when government creates these segregated districts. Now, over where I am now, when they go to register, they don't include, I mean, many people don't include their ethnicity, where it asks you if you're white, black, or they put down other. That way, these judges cannot use that information to say, well, you don't have enough such and such here and such and such there. That's ridiculous. The line that they drew over here, runs from New Orleans clean up into the northern edge of Louisiana, over a hundred miles. Now let me ask you something. That is totally ridiculous. The line looked like a wet noodle. I mean think about it now. Wait, and wait, then wait, when wait. You, and, what is the purpose of what what are you trying to tell me? Who 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 can change I'm saying this how you want it? I'm saying that it's not how I want it, it's how the state wants it, because states don't have to do it. Courts don't have no enforcement oh, you don't power. want the government to do it either, right? I don't want the federal government doing it, no. Well, who do you who do you want? Well, if they, all have the people... a bipartisan, they have a bipartisan committee that does it in every state. That's the way it should be done. And then what makes it any better? I mean, let's tell the truth. When you look at these major okay. cities and these you, major you districts, tell me, tell me which was better way to do it. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what I've witnessed in how it's been in the St. Louis area for seventy-five years. You got Democratic districts that was led by, in the first congressional district, was led by Bill Clay for thirty-two years, then his son for eighteen years, and when he started, the father. It was over 100,000 students in the public school district. After him and his son, and now you got a Corey Bush, you know what the population is? 
Less what? than 17,000. Guess who moved and fled from there? Themselves. Okay, well, look, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see where you're going already. You on a black-white thing. Wait a minute, hold on. I'm a what? I, I'm just, I'm being real for what you, where you coming from. You a say I'm a what? Thing. You just let people be who they are and live where they want to. I agree with you. Let people be who they are and stop trying to make people into something they don't want to be. You you are a black white trip, brother. Wait a minute now. No, I'm not. I'm not no come on, come I'm, on, I'm a, I'm a United I'm a United States citizen. That's that's good. That's absolutely great. We all are US citizens. And but I don't believe in I don't believe in the federal government coming up with these schemes of trying okay, to and, create and, and, and tell me who 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 do you believe should bring an the equalization people, or representation the people it, it should be done if a congressional district is supposed to have 750,000 people in it then they should draw the lines accordingly not take a line and go way over there and grab because this little pocket of black they are being represented. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, in wait, Shelby hold County, hold in Shelby, your name is Housey. Your name is Housey, right? Housey, Freddie Howard, Housey, Grunt Gospel Radio. I'm, all right, Housey. It's a media person. Bang it all out. Housey, let me say what I'm going to say, and I'll listen to what you got to say. The say you're not being represented is not true because in Shelby County, Tennessee, which includes Memphis, for about the last eight or ten years, they've been voting for Steve Corn, who's white. The district is about seventy-five percent black. And what? They being represented. Okay, well, who do you, who do you who do you want to represent the people that are not being represented? I don't know no people that's not being represented. Who you don't they have a congressperson? Yeah, my sister, sister investment has a congressperson. Mm-hmm. So He's what white. Saying? I'm saying that you shouldn't try to create these congressional districts based on who's going to possibility of being elected, and that's black skin color. It shouldn't be that way. Oh, who should be doing it then? How about white the skin people. color? The people. You shouldn't try to – when you get done drawing up districts, it shouldn't look like a snake, and all the well, others look like it, rectangles it, or squares. Okay, all right, I got your point. I got your point. Would you I got another hold I got another call that just came on. You you hang on, okay? Don't leave like right. you did the other night now. Hold on, hold on. Hold well, on. I wasn't on your show the other night. You need to yes, stop saying were. that. I know I remember your voice, brother. I, I have no I, I have no reason. I got I don't have phone. no reason to lie. I got I got the phone numbers and I got the, the video, the recording of the broadcast. It's okay. Video? It's I wasn't on your show on no video. It's all good, man. I, what I mean, I said well, video. Well, you know, our minds play tricks okay. on us, but go ahead and get your other caller. Okay. Yeah, it's all good, brother. Go ahead, uh, caller 5-4. You're on the line. Go ahead. Hello, this is James Averhart, candidate for Alabama's 2nd Congressional District. How you doing? Thank you, uh, Mr. Averhart. Thanks for calling in. Uh, I'm the host, Freddie sure. Howard, House C Production Gospel, Internet Radio. Go ahead, tell us uh, why you are running for Congressional District Number Two. 
Um, first and foremost, thank you again, uh, Howard, for having me aboard. I'm Dr. James T. Averhart, Jr., in Kennedysville, Alabama, 2nd Congressional District, a retired Marine of 30 years. I'm the current uh, Executive Director for the State of Alabama, NAACP. I ran for the United States Congress in 2020. I was the Democratic nominee and actually almost ran, uh, won this uh, won the first congressional district at that time. So I have an inherent obligation. I retired from the Marine Corps, uh, from the Pentagon, had the opportunity to work on Capitol Hill, and I also came home to Mobile and Monroe County and saw the things that much needed things that needed to be done and things that a congressman, a congressperson, should be doing. However, I, I always felt that these areas of uh, our district were disenfranchised and the congressman was not given the attention. So instead of being a part of the problem, I wanted to be a part of the solution. So I ran in 2020, and here I am back again running in 2024. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Okay. Tell us um, in regards to um, the upcoming election, uh, March the 5th, um, how you, how's your campaign coming in there? Well, the campaign is coming very well. Uh, I'd like to direct your your listeners to my website, www.jamesjamesaverhart.com. Uh, the campaign is going well, but I'm here to say um, we know that always at the primary, this is the presidential primary, uh, the turnout is always low. And here in Alabama on Tuesday, it's scheduled to rain, so we're hopeful but I, I I do know that this race is up in the air. Uh, it's anybody's race. Uh, I I was checking with uh, some of the uh, in fact this afternoon on the radio about a two hours and thirty to forty minutes program I ran um, in regards to um, some of the candidates that were being questioned in a in a forum. I think five candidates out of the eleven. Why why wasn't all of the candidates in that forum? That WFTV out of Montgomery had a forum also. That's, why wasn't all that's the correct. candidates in that forum so that the people of Alabama could hear on a larger scale of each one of the candidates' point of view? Well, you're absolutely right. You know, at this time on the Democratic side, we have 11 candidates who are qualified. Uh, to run and in this race and will be on the ballot uh, on March 5th. Uh, the powers that be uh, against the Alabama Democratic Party, uh, which partnered with WSFA, uh, chose five uh, candidates, and mainly those individuals who they chose was current or current state legislators who they chose to to um, to debate. And, uh, of course, that was very upsetting to uh, myself and several other candidates because we do feel like we should have had a voice, an opportunity to debate along with everyone else, as it was originally uh, discussed. Okay. Okay. I got a question to the candidates. Go ahead. My question is, is this. How many town hall meetings have you had with your constituents asking them, what they want to see out of you, the public servant? Well, you know, that's, that's a great question, sir. Uh, I move about this district. There's 13 counties in this new congressional district, 
and I've had candidates form town halls. You know, I'm one of those individuals. I'm not a career politician. I'm a patriot, you know. And so I think a lot of times candidates, elected officials, they talk too much. They don't know uh, what they tell you, everything that they're going to do. However, they don't get an understanding what the concerns are of the citizens. And I think that even in my capacity as the NAACP executive director, I move about this uh, this state and definitely in this new district, uh, uh, there's a myriad of concerns from our, our constituents down in this, this new district. District. It doesn't matter what, what my concerns are as an individual candidate, and that's not a concern. The concern are, uh, my concerns are the concerns of the people, and, and there's a myriad of concerns. Some of these concerns are very systemic. You know, in Mobile, Alabama, the citizen in Mobile care less about the citizen what's going on in Russell County, and likewise in Clark County, um, they don't care about what's going on in Crenshaw County. So that's a revolving door there, you know, and I think as a candidate, we have to be in tune with what the constituents want. And therefore, if you're in tune with what the constituents want, you can work better on their behalf. Well, let me ask you another question. You're saying that you're affiliated with the NAACP. When blacks, also Latinos, when blacks and also Latinos are polled and surveyed, overwhelmingly in the 70th percentile, they say they want school choice with vouchers. Now, I know for mm-hmm. sure that the NAACP is against that. What is your position on mm-hmm. what overwhelmingly well, in the 70th well, percentile, those constituents say that's what they wish to have? Well, I'd like to know where that information is coming from because I think it's mixed feelings. If we're talking about national, if we're talking nationally, then that's a different story. But, but what I'm concerned about at this time is the, the district which, in which I look to represent. Now, school choice, as it pertains to school choice, there are several parents uh, of people that are interested in and will love school choice. My personal position as it pertains to school choice is this. I don't think that funding from public school should go to public school or private school, but I understand that some kids are more uh, successful in that environment, especially if there's a, 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 a health care need, uh, a special needs in which that, school, that kid will perform better at a particular school, then I do think that money should follow that, that kid to that, that school of choice. I think it should be individually based, though, not just systemic where it's just uh, free fall all for one. Well, I agree with what you said. I believe, I agree that a parent and the family know best for their children's long-term educational goals. And being that you do have functional families, even though they are economically poor, when their child goes to school, they are well ahead of others, and they should not be captivated in that particular environment where there's no education going on. So, yes, let a parent choose the best outcomes for their children. And being that they're poor and that they're paying for it, let the money follow the child. Thank you. That's good. Right. Hey, uh, I want to ask a question of the candidate in regards to uh, – I just posted a story that broke today uh, where the uh, Mississippi House of uh, passed uh, uh, Medicaid expansion. I don't know what the Senate is right. going to do. What, uh, I just posted it to, to my uh, uh, my webpage. But um, 
How do you, uh, Mr. Apart, feel about um, a Medicaid expansion? Um, you know the background, how hospitals are closing, maternity wards. Right, and, right, uh, right, right. Talk about that. You know, how, how, the, 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 you know, that's a great question. You know, federally, as a, you know, United States congressman, I look to, number one, establish a rapport uh, so I can advocate better for my constituents. With that said, we know Medicaid expansion in the state of Alabama. Alabama is one of about four other states who have not, um, who have not uh, grasped this concept to support Medicaid expansion. We know Medicaid, with, with Medicaid expansion, there's a gap there where many uh, citizens, uh, especially those who are, we'll say, uh, childbearing age, they do not have any type of insurance, et cetera, uh, health care. Um, so Medicaid expansion would, you know, uh, 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 essentially provide the, the, the necessary resources for those uh, constituents who fall in that category, whether they make too much money or not enough money. You know, this, you know, we know this history falls behind Obamacare and such, but there's a lot of our constituents out there, you know, to include veterans. I'm a 30-year veteran, but I know, and I'm fortunate that I have my, my percentage. However, there's a lot of veterans who have served our country that do not have, um, uh, cannot get medical attention. There's a lot of homeless citizens who cannot get, uh, medical attention, uh, health care. So, you know, I do support Medicaid expansion. And again, but we all know that that's a state level issue. And it's, yeah. it's in, in, but here in the state of Alabama, uh, our state legislators uh, are advocating for it. However, they're outnumbered. There are more uh, members of the GOP side than the Democratic side. So they always get outvoted. And however, but is left with the governor, and our governor at this time says no to a Medicaid inspection. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, but um, our other, other um, you're not a candidate, but you are um, advocate boards for, you're advocating for what type of, uh, I see you tend to say that the government seems to be poking its nose where it don't belong in a sense, and I may be saying that in a wrong way or, or by however way you feel about it, such as what, uh, as you call gerrymandering, gerrymandering, as right. you said, it's been used for, by politicians and legislators for a while now, and they all right. be doing it. Democrats do it, Republicans right. do it. It's just, just right. the way that they do, because they be trying to get a certain constituent in their district and a lot of people like to have the folks that got more money and the more upstate, but where the where they come to poor people, uh, don't nobody gravitate to them, not necessarily for help except for to use them. But I, I think that people should gravitate to it to make conditions better for them in their district or wherever they live. Even if there are a lot of right. poor people in the district, uh, it's not necessarily putting money there, putting other resources there. So that if you don't get a kid in what, uh, I would say from the age of uh, three to five, if you don't put no uh, type of control, not necessarily control, but uh, long life standing principal teaching of things in their life from the age, I'd say about three to five, when they get seven and eight, it's too late. You, you got a hard road, what they've learned 
or the condition that they're brought up in when they're three or five years old. And that they should be have those uh, different things for development at the early stages, such as academics, math, science, whatever it is in the schools. So if you send a kid to a school or anywhere and they are not equipped to uh, obey, they are not equipped to listen, they are not equipped with enough discipline, and all of that stuff starts at home. If you send them out into the school system, all you're doing is throwing like throwing something into a, a machine that's maybe running in a way. And if they ain't equipped, that begins to drag that whole system down. But uh, right. I really well, think... Well, you know... Go ahead. You're right about that. But here's the thing. The operation of that school district is not the business of the federal government. That's for the state and the people that live in that district. And the people that live in that district should be demanding of first their school board and then the staffing of the superintendent, the principals, and teachers in their schools. That's who controls that school, not the federal government. Now, the federal government may offer some programs like ROTC, and then that's when they start putting stipulations on school districts, which they shouldn't be doing. Ultimately, that school district operation is that of the people in that district. Okay, well then, I'd like you to answer this too, uh, Mr. Abelhart. The gentleman is bringing up a point here. It's a valid point, but what about in the situation where there is a system where there is just increased, when I said down level, in other words, no academic just poor control, and the kids are just not improving. What is, what is to be done with those people? Who is to speak up for those people? Is it the government, or is it somebody that, that, that's supposed to be rough? Who speaks for them? Are they just out well, there that's a great own? question. That's a, that's a great question. They should not be out there on their own. Um, I mean, I think some great points have been made by yourself and your other caller, and that uh, he makes a great point. Um, as it pertains to the educational system, for any state, uh, that should falls on the superintendent, uh, the school board. Uh, the governor has a state uh, uh, representative for the, uh, the state department of state department of education. So that's who should be setting up curriculum, uh, etc. But there has to be a level of accountability. The federal government should only be involved in this when there's federal funding funding from the federal government is involved then that's when the federal government should have a say because there's oversight. So if there's, we'll use, for example, a uh, million dollars come to the Alabama um, for education in Alabama, uh, there should be some oversight to make sure that, that those funding are not arbitrarily being used for infrastructure, but it's actually used for education, whether it's with that classroom or whether it's with retaining uh, viable teachers educators in the state because what we see, our kids are our most precious resource. However, you see a lot of educators who are leaving the school system and they're going overseas because they're more incentive, better incentives. That's why they're taking jobs overseas or in other states as well. But I think this this, this issue is plaguing uh, our, our nation uh, overall. They're plaguing every, every state, every community and town uh, out there because those uh, there's not a it appears that there's not a viable when I talk to education 
they're they are really upset with the curriculum that they utilize. Um, some of the those individuals sit behind desks, but they have you know not out there in the trenches teaching these kids or having to deal with these kids on a daily basis. So, but someone has to advocate for those kids, and and I look to you know again establish relationships, but to advocate for those kids and to help get funding, uh, federal funding for certain projects uh, to go into our education system, whether it's for the educators themselves. Uh, to make better programming uh, for those for those uh, uh, kids. Uh, I'm a, uh, I, uh, I I I I think five forty. That's Abelhart, and I'm gonna use three one four for the other gentleman. And what's your name, sir? Three one four. Sir. My name is Mr. Pianchi. Pianchi. Okay. Oh, yes, right. You said it when you first came on. I'm sorry, I didn't remember. But let me ask you this. And both of you all have answered it in a sense, I believe, already. If the federal does not speak for those people that we are, we, you know, we both know who we're talking about, people with less learning and not the advantages and so forth, being able to stay up academically or whatever way they are, or economically, whatever the reasons are that they are not, uh, as they say, some people, let me cut down the mic on the side of the so, okay, but who do you think, you were saying that the government shouldn't be doing these things, but who do you think should do that for these people, the other gentlemen, 314? Starts at the bottom. And see, the problem is today is that parents were not educated to their civic responsibilities oh, in yeah, the area, yeah, yeah. the community that they live in. Now, when you have that situation, then you have problems. Some way or another, you got to get that. Pardon me? I said that's throughout America. Yeah. Well, in many places, but not every place, because you got some places where uh, black children are doing very, very well, but you got too many places where this is not happening. And especially in your major cities, it's not happening. And uh, we can point fingers at any reason. But ultimately, the data is what it tells, and that has to be changed. It's a shame that these children, you see, a child, no child wakes up in the morning wanting to be a failure. They are children with all the possibilities ahead of them. If grown-ups, parents, family, and stakeholders, that's their responsibility to make sure that that child comes up where they can compete with the world. Excellent talk, excellent talk. Okay, um, Mr. Abelhart, uh I thank you for calling in. And uh, do you like to add any more to uh, your bid for, um, since you weren't on one of them public forums on the television? Well, well, <laughs> well I appreciate that. Uh, you know, in the next, um, on Sunday, I'm actually scheduled for a televised uh, candidate forum after the Selma Jubilee in Selma, Alabama, the, the bridge crossing. But I just want to, again, direct uh, the, the, your listeners to my website. Uh, that's the information where you can contact me with this email or call me direct. I'll be more than happy to answer any calls. But understand that everything that we do is political. Uh, all eyes are on Alabama 2nd Congressional District, this new opportunity district, and we need to get out the vote. 
I understand it may be raining, but we still need to, to, to mobilize and polarize the polls and get people out to vote. You know, okay. um, I am the most qualified candidate that's in this race, and I'm asking for uh, your listeners' consideration. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mr. Abraham, for calling in. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. Okay. Um, I thank Mr. Abraham for joining us, and I hope that um, he will be able to get a plug in from where he didn't get one in before. Uh, I'm hoping that some of the other candidates, we only got 38 minutes left in this live. We've been on for two hours live already, just me talking, but I appreciate you joining me here. Uh, 314, uh, code out of uh, Louisiana for being a podcast for tonight. And uh, you need to add anything to what you said already? Well, the last gentleman uh, that spoke for you for a little duration, I said good luck to him. And uh, there's a move out, by the way, if you don't know, that will require a constitutional amendment to where federal government elected officials are paid by the states that they represent. Because as it is now, there's no transparency. We often hear the stories of people going to Congress poor and coming out rich. Well, that's because they are not transparent once they get in that pool in Washington, D.C. Let the state that you represent pay you. Now, here's one reason. Should Mississippi and Alabama Congress people be paid as much as those from California and New York, which have very rich economic statuses? I don't think so. I think that you should be a reflection of the people that you represent. You should be receive the same medical. You should receive the same pension that they do and not somebody like a Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, and those that's been there for careers like Joe Biden for 40-plus years and Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. I see Mitch gave his uh, step-down speech. He won't, he's going to be leaving in November. Um, that has been a um, consistently uh, across all political lines, as I call it, the hang-on connection there. Once you get in there, you in there. You stay at that trough for a long time. Um, yeah, it's a shame. It's really a shame because when you look at the areas where these people come from or what they represent, there's a difference in what you see. And uh, that there is a shame. Uh, there's a move to also limit Congress people to three terms and also U.S. senators to three terms. Or nine terms for Congress and three now, terms for the In other words, 18 years. That should have been yeah, absolutely right. That should have been crazy. And guess what? Ago. Guess what? Not only for elected Congress people, but also government officials, period. No longer than 24 years and you got to go. Yeah, that's, that calls for Okay, I'll tell you another thing. Uh, in politics today, the voter, which should be deciding who represents them, they, we are in the, what is causing the absolute uh, division that is completely 
blowing America up. Seeing that division. Well, one of the reasons is because of, of voters' ignorance, really, because they don't have any sense for civic response. They don't know how it works. Sending? Pardon me? Say who, I say they don't have no knowledge of who they're sending to represent them. They, they don't know that they are the boss. You know, you know the federal government gets its powers from the states. Each state is – Alabama is a country. It's a sovereign country called a state. Alabama has its own jurisdiction. FBI agents are not supposed to come to your house and knock on your door without checking in with the sheriff who has the local territorial department. jurisdiction. But it don't work like that. Yeah, so that's fine. because voters are ignorant. And another thing, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you you're good. Okay. Uh, another thing, when you send a person to represent you, you should know about their character. You should know about their integrity. You should know about their compassion. You should know who they care for. You should know that they don't care more about money than they do represent you. And see, here's the thing about that. Everybody in the Senate and the legislature, not everybody now, let's take a percentage of both of them to get the mix that's going on in this country right now. They are caring more about themselves and their position. They ain't interested in working together with nobody. And I find that from the local level all the way to the national level, very few people, they call it what, reach across the aisle? Ain't nobody reaching You're across absolutely the aisle right. no more. What is And that? I have to laugh. Who's driving I that? have to laugh. I have to laugh because you're hitting it on the nail. You know why come so much aid is going to Ukraine? Because it's like a boomerang. It comes back around and comes through the back door of politicians' campaign funding. And then once it goes there, they can use it however they want to use it. You got lobbyists that do the same thing. The Jewish lobbyists, APAC is one of the biggest of them all. And then they're threatened to run somebody against you if you don't comply to their wishes. It's corrupt. It's mm-hmm. very, very corrupt. It, it's like they, they say, for instance, it's like what's going on over in uh, 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 with Netanyahu uh, and all of those people in Israel and they they beat over the head with a brick now for what they doing over there and the uh, Palestinians they using everybody they still holding on to the hostage and they still <laughs> but, but you are I absolutely do, right the one thing I, I, I do understand is this and I hope you understand it too just like me and my wife be talking God has got it in control, and he is doing something. He's working out something, country, that we ain't going to like. We have been, America has been, not itself. We've been on the top of the hill a long time now. But here's the thing about that. God knows everything. You know what I mean? Well, I can and say And the only that. thing you can do is you yourself personally, and I'm speaking to you and I'm speaking to me as I'm talking here. 
You be mm-hmm. right. You be right. You do what's right. You you see what I'm saying? Cause it's it's coming. You, like you said it's coming back around. Go ahead. You telling the truth. You absolutely telling the truth. If you're not see, you can't go to someone else trying to explain and tell and coerce them into doing something. Whereas they can just look over your shoulder and see where you came from. You didn't do it yourself. There you go. Who's going to believe in you? <laughs> but look, I tell you what, it's just like this forum here. Now, I'll be encouraging all of them to call in. I got all of them's name in. I done ran different, during the show, I ran different ads, them different ones, each one of them. And I've been to uh, probably about three, four, maybe four, four or five of them that when they came to Monroe County. But the thing about it, see, this program right here is like small apples for most of them. You see what I'm saying? My 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 178 or 200,000 listeners worldwide, they ain't big enough for them. But I focus on Monroe County. That's where I live. And that's who I'm trying to reach. I'm just trying to tell my voters, okay, when you make your choice, if it's Averhart, if it's Bracey, if it's Coleman, or whoever, whoever you pick, you make sure whoever you pick is going to take your interest. You see what I'm saying? That what's concerning That's what you. you have to do. Because you have you to don't. form coalitions. You have to form coalitions. And like I said before, you have to demand of someone who wants to rep- you, represent you as a public servant. That's what they are. They are public servants. And they shouldn't yeah. be looked at in any other capacity. They are supposed to carry out your wishes. You're the boss, especially when you're talking about a congressperson, because a congressperson district consists of many state districts. You're talking about people. The state district, that state legislature should be able to call a congressperson and also the U.S. senators to the floor and read them the riot act if they're not doing what they should be doing. Uh, well, it's a, we don't, we don't, as as they as grandmama said, we don't got away from the basics. <laughs> it's all good. Well, that's it's true, good. and it's mandi- it's very necessary that we get back on, and you have to start with your children. I'm sorry yeah, to say that. We have to. Speak, I know you got grandchildren. Work with them grandchildren. Oh man, I make sure comment. that they have the resources and they get the proper education and understanding that they should receive. Yeah, me and him, he wants to be a a, a, a football player. He's bright. He makes he's a little fella. So we over at the football field. My house is across from the high school, and uh, so we walked over to the football field, and so we sat down on the on the bleachers, and, and we were talking about, and he wanted to know about the Son and Jesus Christ. So uh, he wanted to know the Son that was above us, shining down on us. He said, "Is is 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 that God, the Son up there?" I said, "No, that's the S U N Son, not the S O N Son." I said, "You are your daddy's S O N." Now that son up there, God is in that son because He made that son, but that's not the S O N son that 
that you're talking about. And boy, when we got in that conversation, he's just seven years old. He, he, he's a bright little fellow. <laughs> but that's well, what let I'm me tell you, about. and you already you already know that he has to complement sports with academics that's because right, that's right. there is Go ahead. many of them. You know how many kids were sacrificed to produce just one LeBron James, one Kobe Bryant. You're talking about hundreds of kids, probably thousands. The parents have to get them up, buy them equipment, take them to practice, get them on travel teams, and all. And then in the long run, they don't make it to the big time. They fall by the way. So they have to have something else to complement that. They may get injured. In case they don't make that particular dream, they got something to fall back on that's going to be very well substantial and well-paying for their future. That's, that's, that's where most people fail at. They do not provide the academic standards to succeed whether they do not succeed uh, athletically. And a, and a broken leg or uh, whatever, um, um, back into it, and you out of work. If you're not, and if you're smart enough and you've got the academic, you can go on and go on in the chair and make more than you with the with the athlete. But most you're people, absolutely right, sir. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, look here. Um, I'm hope I hope some other politicians call in. I got 25 minutes of live time. I don't know if they're gonna call. But anyway, I appreciate your your points of view, and uh, I hope you'll check me out on the internet. You may have already. Um, I go by the name of How C, like you said, hashtag H O W C E. I found out through the internet, instead of typing in a whole lot of stuff, just develop your hashtag and it'll cut across a million more acres <laughs> than the website. But anyway, it's all good. Again, thank you. Well, you've done a good job, and I really appreciate you listening to my opinions, and I'm happy that I was able to be experienced with your opinions. and. Uh, the candidate they called in, because out of all that, we have to sit down and come up with solutions to address the problems that we all recognize. But too many people just don't either know how or even care to come up with positive solutions that work to make things change. As you said before, it's about these children. We cannot let these children grow up and don't have legs to stand on. That is a travesty, and it shouldn't happen. Look, I'm going to get going. I appreciate the time once again. I'll talk to you later. All right. Take care now. All right. Sure. All right. Gentlemen out of Louisiana, uh, uh, join us on that uh, program tonight. We thank Mr. Abelhart for checking in. And uh, one of the things that uh, we want to also be talking about, uh, for Monroe County, the registrar's office is there in Monroe, uh, for Monroe County, and that's uh, at uh, Monroe at uh, Monroe County PO Box 972. The telephone number is the Monroe County Registrar's office is at 251-743-4107 or 251-575-8141. That's in Monroe County. Here's some information that you need to be uh, aware of. And that is this. Uh, uh, there's some sample ballots out there too. 
And if you want a sample ballot, you go by the Monroe County Courthouse there, look to the right there, step in there and get you a sample ballot. Okay, the primary election is coming up March the 5th. March the 5th. Okay, uh, there's some things that already passed. The last day uh, to hand deliver voter registration forms, that's already passed, February the 16th. February the 17th, last day to postmark your voter registration form, that's already passed. February the 27th, the last absentee ballot, all mail, that's on February the 27th. Today is February the 29th, last day, that's today, Thursday. Last day for that was today, last day for voter to apply for an absentee ballot in person. It's February the 9th. Now, March the 4th, the day before the primary election, is the last day for a voter to hand-deliver an absentee ballot. That's hand-deliver an absentee ballot. That's March the 5th, March the 4th. Now, March the 5th, Alabama ballots returned by mail must be received by 12 noon. All right. So all kind of good information. Primary runoff election, if necessary, so be in April. Okay. March the 18th, voter registration deadline. March the 26th, as they apply for uh, uh, an absentee ballot by mail. March the 28th, last day for voter to apply for a absentee ballot in person. April the 1st, last day for a voter to hand deliver an absentee ballot. April the 2nd, Absentee ballots returned by mail must be received by noon. All right. All right, let's look at that November. This is when the uh, general election, we might call it presidential election. October 21st, voter registration deadline. All right, now, this is uh, 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 February the 29th. You got all the way to October the 21st. February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. That's nine months. Nine months, eight months plus to get your voter registration done. If you're not registered to vote in Monroe County, you got until October the 21st to get that done. October the 29th, last day to apply for an uh, absentee ballot by mail. October 31st. Last day for voters to apply for an absentee ballot in person. November the 4th, the last day for a voter to hand deliver an absentee ballot. And on November the 5th, the voting day now, 2024, absentee ballots returned by mail must be received by noon. Okay. Great information for you. Now, here's some information on crossover voting. Crossover voting. Now, this is affected uh, from August the 3rd of two, uh, 2017. According to Acts 2017-340, Section 2A, Section 2A, if an elector voters in a primary election that uh, electors may vote in a subsequent primary runoff election only if they could be only if they voted in the election, but being here. Voters who did not vote in the primary election may choose either party ballot in a primary runoff. 
Okay. That is simply saying that on March the 5th, you can vote a Republican or a Democrat. You can vote. You, you, you may be a registered Democrat, but you can still vote a Republican. Or you could be a registered Republican. You can vote a Democrat. Let me say that again. If you're a registered Democrat, you can vote a Republican if you want to. You got to choose which one you want to explain. If you vote in the Democratic primary, you may only vote in a Democratic runoff election. That only makes sense. You may not cross over and vote in the Republican runoff election. Whatever one you choose, that's the route that you stay in. And when you choose this road of Republican or you chose this road of a Democrat, you got to stay there. All right? Voted Democratic ballot in the primary election. Can only vote in the Democratic primary election runoff. Cannot vote in the Republican primary runoff election. You see that? You got to stay where you started. Explanation. If you vote in the Republican primary election, you may only vote in the Republican runoff election. You may not cross over and vote in the Democratic runoff election. That's some good information for you. You really need to know how you, when you start out, where you're going to go. All right. It's great information here. Uh, voted Republican in the ballot in the primary election. Can only vote in the Republican primary runoff. Cannot vote in the Democratic primary runoff. Okay? Did, okay, here's another. Did not vote in the primary election or vote a nonpartisan ballot can vote in the Republican primary runoff election, can vote in the Democratic. Now, here's the key to that. If you did not vote in the primary election, you may choose either a Democrat or Republican ballot in a runoff election. The crossover rules starts over with each election cycle and only applies to primary and primary runoff election. It does not apply to general election. Good information there. Okay. Voter registration. Voter registration requirement. Any person may may register to, to vote provided they are a citizen of the United States, lives in Alabama, at least 18 before election day. That means you got to be 18 for March the 5th. Not barred from voting due to disqualifying felony conviction and have not been declared mentally incompetent by court. Okay? When to register? Voter registration is open to all year, except during the 14 days prior to an election or on the election day. Voter registration is closed to provide enough time, is closed enough time to complete the voters list for the electorate. You know, that's that list they sent out of people that are qualified to vote. That they got to have that list so that when you come in and show your voter ID, whatever your name is, Jack Geek or whoever your name is, your name is on the voter roll as an eligible voter. Okay? That's why they need that information. Voter registration must be submitted online. You can do that at alabamavote.gov. Paper registration form must be postmarked and hand delivered to the voter registrar submitted at the participation agent-based voter registration location no later than the resident deadline 
for the election. Okay? Keep your registration up to date. Keep your registration up to date. How you do that? A voter should immediately notify their county board of registrar. The county board of registrar is in Monroe. It's down there in Monroe, Alabama. When you walk into the courthouse, on the right-hand side, after you go through security, you step to the right, there is the voter registration office. You make sure your name is updated and all your paperwork is squared away before March the 5th. You got time to do it. Today is uh, 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 February the 29th. February the 29th. You got a few more days before March the 5th. Go in there and make sure your voting uh, registration stuff is up to date. All right. If a voter moves to another county within the state, they must re-register in their new county or resident by the registration deadline for that election. Whenever you go, get yourself down to the voter registration office, get yourself square. Restore voting rights. Now, <clears throat> if you've been to prison and you got a felony conviction, you did serve time and you complete your time, you can. There are steps that you can take to re, to rest, to restore your voting rights. An individual who is barred from registering and voting by reason of disqualified felony conviction may request to have their voting rights restored by applying for a certificate of eligibility to register to vote. An individual may qualify for a certificate of eligibility to register to vote if they fulfill all terms of the sentence for the disqualified felony conviction. In other words, you get convicted of something and you do all the time and everything's squared away and you're, you're free to go, you can get information squared away for requalification. For further information, contact the Alabama Board of Pardons and Parole 334-353-7771 or pardonstatealabama.us. Okay? That's if you've been a convicted felon, you didn't serve your time, you did your time, and you were free. Get yourself requalified so that you can uh, uh, restore your voting rights. Okay? Okay. Voter registration deadlines. Here's some good information. February 19th, March the 18th for the runoff. February the 19th. That's already done passed now. The 18th for the runoff. And October 21st for the general election. Where's your polling place? Do you know where your polling place is? Go down there to the courthouse if you don't know where it is, and they'll tell you where it is. Right? Here in Beatrice, where I live, it's right down there at the old uh, 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 city hall, where it used to be city hall. All right? Okay. All kind of good information here on, on, on this uh, uh, broadcast tonight. We hope you enjoyed. We're down to 12 minutes. Uh, let's take an opportunity to name some of the candidates again. James Aberhart, we had an opportunity to talk to him, a retired U.S. Marine and former uh, 2020 congressional candidate, uh, representing the Poland Bracey Jr., Democrat Pritchard, Senator uh, Mariko Coleman, Democrat Pleasant Grove, House Minority Leader Anthony Daniels. We had a representative of his committee on the other night. Shamar Figures, former Deputy Chief of Staff to the U.S. Attorney General, and son of, of Senator Vivian Davis Figures, Democrat of Mobile. Brian Gary, Republican Judge Given, Birmingham, represents Jeremy Gray, 
Phyllis Harvey Hall, an education consultant. Willie Leonard, Zemo Patel, a realtor. Larry Darnell, Simpson. And you, all kind of good information. We hope you've been a, a part of t- tonight's uh, 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 services. Okay. Let's uh, let's see, Ken, and we pull up another ad or two while we're at it here. Let's see. Uh, let's turn Daniel's. Let's type in Daniel. I don't know if I got an ad spot for Daniel's or not. Daniel's. Okay. Okay. Uh, Anthony Daniel, it's time for. Okay, here we got one from Anthony Daniel. Let's run it. It's time. Time we had someone in Congress fighting for us. As Democratic leader in the State House, Anthony Daniels helped steer millions of dollars into our district, fighting to raise wages, invest in our infrastructure, and create good jobs. Now he's passed a new law, removing state taxes on overtime pay, putting more money in our pockets. It's time for Anthony Daniels for Congress. One of us for all of us. I'm Anthony Daniels, and I approve this message. Paid for by Anthony Daniels for Alabama. Okay, that was Anthony Daniels. Let's see, can we find Let's see if we got anything for Bracey in here. Okay, let's type in Bracey. Uh, B-R-A-C-Y. Bracey, let's see if anything coming. Okay, Bracey, Bracey. How about Nico Coleman? Let's go Coleman. Uh, Coma, T-O-L-E-M-N. Coleman. She didn't come up for Miss Coleman. Okay. All right. Figures. Do-do-do. Shamari Figures, we got one in here for him. Let's run it. From an early age, Shamari Figures learned about courage. His dad, a civil rights lawyer who took on the KKK, forcing them into bankruptcy after the lynching of a black teenager in Mobile. Shamari's mom, a champion for our kids. Shamari worked in the Justice Department for the first black woman attorney general and the White House, where he worked for President Barack Obama. Now, Shamari Figures is ready to lead with courage as a congressman for times like these. I'm Shamari Figures, and I approve this message. All right. Okay. We are down to about seven minutes to go in the program. And we want to thank uh, all that was here uh, tonight uh, listening to the broadcast. Uh, We're going to go ahead and and close it out here with a little bit of jazz. Uh, We got about a uh, seven minutes of lifetime streaming, so we're going to close it out with uh, some jazz. We hope you enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
Good evening, good morning, whatever time it is, wherever you are, you're listening to Housey Production. It's a bit of a jazz time for you. We hope you enjoy. We're going back to the year of 1979. It's Fire Gyro. called Morning Dance. We'll follow that up with uh, Peter White and Glow. Then uh, Peace of Dreams from the acquainted with Night Series, Night Vision, Bruno Front, Kudo White, and Morning Dance. Excited, Paul Taylor on the horn, 2001-2002. We hope you enjoyed here on House of Gospel. We are playing a mix of jazz for you. We hope everything is going well for you. Enjoy.
gospel music coming to you from 231 6th Avenue down south here in the big city of Beatrice, Alabama. We hope everything is going well for you. God is still in control. On a Tuesday morning, we are talking about Don't Let the Devil Ride and playing good gospel music. Stay with us as we continue in House of the Gospel, Blog Talk Radio. all over the internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash housey-production-gospel. We are your internet radio station. Sit back and relax and enjoy more of Housey Production Gospel Blog Talk Radio. (laughs) 